You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio, actually across the country in studio with Andy Barrar as well. I'm uh, broadcasting from Toronto live today. Andy in the Vancouver studio. How you doing, Andy? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm. Uh, I'll have to say cold. <laughs> What's the uh, weather like in Toronto right now? Well, it's. Uh, I've been here most of the week, uh, and it has been. Uh, let's just use the word freezing. Uh, I think uh, today it's uh, around minus uh, two, which is actually quite balmy. Uh, but uh, you know, I was hitting like minus fifteen and 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 below. I don't want to rub it in, but after the radio show, I'm going to do some gardening. <laughs> <laughs> There's no gardening happening here. Well, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, of course, we'll be going open line later on in the hour, taking your uh, tech calls and questions. Uh, we'll also be talking uh, about the Mobile World Congress that uh, just happened in Barcelona. Uh, and basically, that's an event where they, uh, they, I guess, talk about and release all the latest uh, smartphones that will be coming up on the market uh, over the uh, next year. It's funny, Mike. Uh, when I was at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show back in January, I was surprised because there were no smartphones around. And then it clicked in that everyone's waiting for the Mobile World Conference um, in Barcelona to make all those announcements. It's it's really a, one of the big events now in the year for all the announcements that are happening in the mobile world. Well, we'll be talking with Shane Dingman. He's the technology editor for the uh, Globe and Mail uh, coming up after the next break about all the hottest, cool new smartphone uh, devices uh, coming out. Kind of interesting stuff uh, this week in the news, uh, Andy, uh, talking about uh, being connected. IKEA uh, has announced uh, a new line of, uh, I guess, powered desks and, and, and lamps and what have you. Yeah, so basically, instead of having to plug in your mobile devices at night with this new furniture by IKEA, it's using a technology called QI, charging. Uh, you can just lay it down onto the desk and it will charge itself. It's pretty pretty cool technology that they're going to come out, and uh, it's going to be rolling out next month in April. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we've had this type of wireless charging for years and years now, but I guess the big uh, hang-up has uh, literally been just standards. Absolutely. I think what happens is you need to get all the different players and smartphone players together in the same room to, to get a standard to charge these devices. It took forever just to get the micro-USB standard um, in place because before that, I don't, and I know you remember this, when the old Nokia phones, there was a different type of charger for each phone. And what happened was there was a lot of waste. And so all the companies came together and said, we need to make a standard so that people can move from one device to another without having a new charging cable. And this is really the evolution of that, where we don't even need cables anymore. We can just put it onto a surface and it will charge automatically through inductive charging. Well, and, you know, I've been dreaming about this for years because there's just so many cables all over the place to charge all the different devices. So, you know, how great would that be? You know, you're at a restaurant and you can basically put your smartphone down on the table and it'll just charge while you uh, eat your meal. Yeah, this is great for restaurants and even pubs where you could go and sit at a bar, have a beer and get a charge for your phone. I think that's something that uh, a lot of restaurants would embrace. You know, once that technology rolls through. Well, we'll be seeing these uh, new pieces of furniture from Ikea rolling out uh, shortly here. Uh, I believe they're starting in uh, Europe and North America and then uh, rolling out uh, worldwide uh, after that. So uh, hopefully this, uh, this standard, the QI standard, uh, takes off and we'll see a lot more of uh, this technology built into the different pieces of furniture that we, uh, we have over the next few years. And, of course, uh, from what I read as well, Ikea will have, uh, uh, you can also add a pad to an existing desk. That's right. And uh, if people are interested in getting it, you might want to hold out because if you're an iPhone user, it won't work. 
until the, uh, I guess, next generation of the iPhone comes out. But the new Samsung Galaxy S6, if you are going to purchase that, that will work with the new uh, IKEA furniture. Well, that's kind of cool. Uh, Also in the news, uh, coming up this Monday... Apple has uh, a big press event, their Spring Forward event, they're uh, calling it. So there's all sorts of speculation as to uh, what they'll be talking about, what they'll be announcing. Uh, You know, I think, uh, obviously, they'll be talking about uh, the new Apple Watch. Uh, That's supposed to be released, uh, I think, late March or uh, April. Uh, And a lot of people have uh, been waiting for that device, you know, to see how good it is, and will it really jumpstart that whole wearable technology market, Uh, you know, Samsung, Fitbit, a number of uh, companies have tried to get that uh, going. And, you know, they're doing half okay. But, you know, when Apple gets into a category, it's, uh, it's a whole new ballgame. What I'm really interested to hear, Mike, from this announcement is the pricing. Because really, all Apple has told us that the base price for the new Apple Watch is going to be $349. But we know they're making these luxury Apple Watches. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see it around the $1,200 mark for one of these bling-bling Apple Watches that are going to be coming out uh, next month? Well, they have three different uh, versions. The Apple Watch, I think they have a Sport Edition, uh, and then that uh, Luxury Edition that you were talking about that will uh, have some of them actually have cases of uh, gold. Yeah, it's gonna. It's really will be the new status symbol. It's the. It's like the new red Corvette for uh, for this day and age, just to show people that you have enough money to afford one of these Apple Watches. The question is, will it bring value? You know, we we know that it's gonna really carry the wearables for the rest of the year, but. If, can Apple get into this game and can they produce a watch that has a good long battery life and actually is provides value for people rather than just being a, a nice piece on your wrist? Well, I think that's one of the challenges that these guys have right now is the battery life. You know, smartphones, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be lucky if we get a day yeah. use out of, uh, you know, the battery on that, maybe a day and a half. Uh, you know, a watch, it, it's pretty small, so you can't have a huge battery in it. And so, you know, most of the ones we've seen on the market so far, uh, you know, typically or a day or two, just depending on what uh, what they do. Yeah. And then the the burden is on the consumer to charge it every night. And me, case in point, I do wear a smartwatch. I have the Motorola Moto 360 and I forget to charge it all the time. And it just it's it's pointless to have on your wrist <laughs> if it's just dead because you can't even see the time. And like it's just a, a piece that's just sitting on your wrist for no reason. Well, uh, other rumors uh, that they'll uh, be refreshing the MacBook Air line. Uh, that's been a hugely popular popular notebook line for them. Uh, they've got the 11 and 13-inch versions. Rumor uh, has it that uh, they'll be coming out with a 12-inch version. So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what they're going to be doing there. And uh, big rumors, too, about uh, a larger iPad. I don't know if that's uh, something they're going to announce or not, but, uh, you know, on the Internet... Uh, of course, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, potentially, like an iPad Pro, they would call it uh, with uh, like a 12-inch screen. Yeah, it'd be 12.9-inch screen, and it would be mostly catered towards business users. Uh, we don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. It's all uh, rumors, and that's the amazing thing about Apple. There's like entire websites dedicated just to Apple rumors. So you just never know until these events happen, and then we know the real thing. What's the prize, Andy, this week? Well, we got a fabulous prize this week. Uh, it's perfect for anybody who played video games in the 80s and 90s. We're giving away the FC Bluetooth Game Controller. 
It's a wireless game controller that sports a classic D-pad button layout that's reminiscent of these retro 8-bit consoles. It actually looks like the original Nintendo controller, but it works with Bluetooth, and it can work with your iPhone, iPad, Android devices, Mac, and Windows. So basically every device out there you can play games with. All you have to do is go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com, and enter a win, the FC30 Bluetooth Game Controller. It's actually really cool. Like, if you loved playing Nintendo back in the day, here's a chance to have a controller that uh, can help you relive uh, those glory days. Yeah, and the good thing is the original Nintendo controller only had two buttons, A and B. This one, they they figured out that we should put some more buttons on this thing because uh, (laughs) the games have changed a lot since the 80s. So they do have it. It looks like the retro Nintendo controller, but there are additional buttons on there for you to play all your favorite games, uh, whether it's on your iPhone or iPad. Just go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. We've got a lot more for you to, today on uh, the show. Of course, we'll be going open line in the last half. We'll also hear App of the Week from Christina Stoyanova. But coming next, after the break, you got to stay tuned. We'll be talking about what are the hot new smartphones and mobile devices that are going to be coming out over the next year. Uh, we've got Shane uh, Dingham. Dingman. Dingman, sorry, from uh, the Globe and Mail to uh, give us the lowdown uh, about the big mobile world conference that just happened over in Barcelona. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. The way we work is rapidly changing, so being innovative and looking ahead to the future are crucial, especially if you're running a small business. You don't want to get left behind. That's why I highly recommend GoToMeeting.ca. It can change the way you meet and collaborate with clients and coworkers. With Citrix GoToMeeting, you can meet your team online from wherever you are, whenever you need to, from any computer, tablet, or smartphone, so you can stay connected, get more accomplished while using time more efficiently, share screens to make presentations, collaborate on projects, review data in real time, and turn on your webcam. And with HD quality, it's like being in the room. GoToMeeting can help you work smarter and more effectively. I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today to see what it can do for you and your business. Try it free for 30 days. There's nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.ca and click the Try It Free button. Do it now, and you can have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's GoToMeeting.ca. Well, up next here, we're uh, going to be talking about uh, the mobile worlds. Andy, this is uh, pretty exciting. I, I know you love smartphones. Absolutely. I uh, Every time there's a new smartphone comes to the market, I always try it out for at least two weeks to really get a, a good sense on how it differs from the other smartphones on the market. Well, on the line, we've got uh, Shane Dingman. He's the technology editor for the Globe and Mail. Thanks for joining us today, Shane. Hey, thanks, guys. So uh, is it going to be an exciting year for smartphones? Well, I don't know. Uh, I have to say probably not. Um, if you if you happen to be one of the people who works at one of those companies that can sell millions of them, then it's probably pretty exciting. Uh, but in terms of innovation, uh, it feels in some ways that we've really reached a peak. You know, we got rectangular slabs, and they got some features here and there around the edges, but they're not going to change too much. None of them are going to uh, make toast or uh, start my car anytime soon? Well, more and more, there are going to be devices that well, you can control from your phone that are going <laughs> to potentially make toast and start your car. But the phones themselves are kind of at this stage where it seems like, you know, we're, we're just doing incre- incremental changes in processing power. You know, battery life is still a pretty much, you know, standard. You can barely get through a day. Um, you know, there's not, a, there's not a ton of really big, like, earth-shaking changes going on in terms of screens and cameras and some of the other key features of these things. So more evolutionary, not revolutionary feels that way, yep. A maturing industry. If you look at the, you know, sort of the sales, you know, obviously Apple, you know, they once again blew the doors off. 
but that has as much to do with the pent-up demand for large screens as anything else. And I really don't know if a larger screen is necessarily an innovation or just a, you know, essentially a market a market shift. Yeah, a smart marketing move. Were there any highlights for you? Out of uh, Mobile World Congress? Yeah. I guess the big issues that come up a lot are the software, to be honest. Like, what's what's running on these things? What are we connecting into? Everything from wearables to sort of Internet of Thingsy type connections and just, you know, we're getting a much better picture of how these these ubiquitous sort of supercomputers in our pockets are beginning to be exploited by everyone from marketers to car makers to you, know, you name it, really. It's, it's becoming one of those, those vectors for economic activity. You know, mo- the world is mobile. Definitely. You know, you talked about uh, Apple. They've uh, had uh, a pretty good uh, uh, quarter with, uh, you know, the release of their iPhone 6 Plus. Uh, and again, I think, uh, you know, the reason they had such a great quarter, to your point, is that uh, there were a lot of uh, Apple fans out there that wanted the uh, larger screen. Uh, what are we seeing from Samsung? I know they just announced their uh, S6, their Galaxy S6. Uh, you know, apparently sales for their S5 weren't uh, where they wanted to be. Do you think this new phone and its features are going to help them? It's a tough one. I mean, if you look at Samsung, you know, a lot of their margin has come from these high-end phones. The S3 was a really big seller. The Note and the Note 2 were big sellers. You know, they were larger than than any other sort of top-end phone out there. But, um, you know, this new S6, I mean, it's bigger. But, I mean, we've sort of reached the the upper limit of size, you know, sort of five inches, five five and a bit inches, seems about as big as you can get and still call it a phone. <laughs> yeah. Anything larger, and it's a tablet. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen it, and it's, it's shiny. It's got better materials, but I don't know if that's what makes people make the decision anymore. You know, if, if, if an aluminum-backed phone is better than a plastic-backed phone when you're comparing an Android phone, um, you know, I think price is becoming more of an issue. I spoke to these guys at IDC, and they really see that the bottom end of the market is just dropping out. You know, like the idea of paying... $300 for sort of a mid-range phone just going to go away. You know, we're going to spend less than $100 on a phone uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, a, a really good phone, something that, you know, when it came out to maybe a year and a half or two years ago, would have been the top end. And two years from now, that thing will be basically, you know, the carriers will be giving it away. And if you don't want to have a contract, you can buy it for 100 bucks. Shane, I, personally, I'm trying out the new Motorola Moto E, and you yeah. were talking about bottom-end phones. This this phone, brand new, unlocked, costs $150. Isn't that fantastic? And I got to say, I'm, I'm using it, and I'm like, wow, like, why are we paying eight to $900 when you have a phone that can do just like 80 to 90% of what a premium phone can do, but it, at such a cheap price? And if I remember correctly, it's the best-selling phone in Motorola's history. And we're talking about a company that's been around ever since the beginning of cellular phones. So that really shows you that uh, a lot of people, especially in the developing countries, are moving to these bottom-end phones. Yeah, I would keep your eye on Motorola in terms of like a company that's going to do really well on Android sales. They had 11 million uh, devices sold last year, which is a huge jump up from them. They were basically like under a million a few years ago. I mean, basically, you know, you've got Samsung and you've got, um, you know, who else? Really, it's probably going to be Motorola as number two. And then you've got the Chinese carriers or the Chinese makers like, you know, Huawei and Xiaomi, who are really sucking up a lot of the low-end market in China, which is one of the biggest and most important smartphone markets. So, I mean, it used to be where, like, if you could sell in the United States, that was going to make or break your company. And that's kind of what happened to BlackBerry. They were able to sell in the States, and then they suddenly weren't, and the company suffered you know, ever after. Now you've kind of got a duopoly. You know, if you can sell in the U.S. or sell in China, you can have a company that's going to do a lot of great things. 
So. Well, I th- yeah, I think China is obviously the the big market there. But you know, from a business perspective, are we looking at a a coming bloodbath when it comes to the kind of Android side? I I think you know the Apple fans are are used to. Uh, paying for a premium product, uh, they like that. But I'm just seeing that, you know, like Andy said, with a Motorola phone that has 90% of the features for $150, are people going to be willing to pay that six, $700 for like a, a new Samsung S6 or, you know, some of the other premium Android phones? I don't think so. I mean, it's possible you'll get some sales, right? Like, I'm sure, actually, they'll probably do really relatively decent because there are people who do want a premium phone and don't want to do iOS for lots of reasons. Um, you know, but like when you, I think the bloodbath's already been going on. If you look around, you know, like it, Android sales kind of fell off, and part of the reason is everybody was cannibalizing everybody other, and every a bunch of new entrants had come into that marketplace. And you know, one of the things that I always find is a bit different between an Android user uh, and an iPhone user when you sort of talk to them is that the Android people get really frustrated when they buy a phone through a carrier and then they cannot update to the newest operating system. That's just not a problem that iOS people have. They can update whenever there's a new software new platform, but for carrier phones on Android, sometimes they, they hold on to that and they wait until they can send out a customized version and do your own updates. That's just a weird sort of differentiation in the marketplace. The, the people who are doing iPhones, I think, are still going to be looking at lifestyle and sort of statement you know, purchasing as much as anything else. But like when you just look at, I need a phone and it needs to do a job, and particularly when it comes to enterprise and other things, it's going to be this like low end. It doesn't really even really matter which brand of Android, I think. Uh, in a couple of years, I think we'll just call it an Android. We don't even care if it's HTC or Motorola or whoever. It's going to be interesting times. Shane, do you mind hanging on the, the line for a little bit longer? I'd like to talk a few more uh, mobile devices uh, with you. Uh, Andy, quickly, the contest again. This week, we're giving away the FC30 Bluetooth game controller. This looks just like the retro Nintendo controllers of the 80s and 90s, except it can play all of your favorite games on iOS and iPad, Android, Mac, and Windows. All you have to do is go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com, to enter and win the FC30 Bluetooth game controller. We're talking with Shane Dingman. When we come back from the break, we'll hear more about uh, the mobile world coming up over the next year. He's just uh, talking about the uh, big mobile world conference that happened over in Barcelona. And we'll open up the phone lines if you've got any tech questions uh, around smartphones for our guest. 604-280-9898 is the line. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike and Andy here in studio. We're broadcasting live across Canada on the Chorus Radio Network. You can also listen to us online, always through our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We also post all our shows up on SoundCloud. Just uh, search for Get Connected. And, of course, you can listen to us uh, through your smartphone with the uh, Chorus Radio app as well. We're talking about uh, the mobile world, smartphones, tablets, what have you, wearables, We've got Shane Dingman. He's a technology editor for the Globe and Mail on the line. Shane, uh, you know, we've talked about smartphones. Did we see a lot of uh, wearable technology at the mobile conference as well? Yeah, a lot of it. There seemed like everybody had a new watch they wanted to show off. And uh, I think the biggest buzz came out of uh, Huawei. They had a, uh, which is a Chinese um, smartphone and uh, network equipment maker. They had a, something that looked very much like a sort of tagger type, you know, case around what it was in Android Wear watch which is interesting on its own. There was also uh, an LG watch that had its own connection to the Internet, which is one of the big changes. Um, of course, the big news coming up on Monday, Apple's going to give us some more details about their watch, presumably pricing and other features. In your opinion, has anyone done it right with uh, a smartwatch yet? Um, well, 
considering the limitations of them, that they have to, by and large, be tethered um, to another device you have on you uh, to connect to the Internet, um, you know, I think there's certainly something appealing about the simplicity of something like a Pebble, although I never really liked the control scheme. Um, there's something pretty about the way Android Wear works, um, but I really, when I've tested it, I've had real problems with keeping that connection live. And, uh, yeah, I haven't had hands-on with a real working model of the Apple Watch, so I don't know. Maybe they're the one. I think everybody's uh, calibrating themselves against Apple, but whether or not they've really cracked it is, a, is an open question. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a question for me. Like, can uh, you know, someone like an Apple uh, or any of these companies with you know, a, a great uh, device really get people to wear watches again? I, I think that's down dramatically, like I was uh, telling Jill Bennett earlier in her show this morning. Uh, I haven't... I can't even remember the last time I wore a watch, probably 25 years ago. So, you know, what is a smartwatch going to do for me? I don't know. It's interesting. I, I spoke to some folks who told me that, like, you know, what we, we think of, I think maybe because we're in a sort of a connected age and, and we carry our phones around, we don't really think that watches are a big deal. But, you know, there's still something in the neighborhood of, like, a billion watches that are sold, you know, yeah. every year, um, like conventional watches. So sort of the argument that gets made to me is that, like, right now the digital watch market segment is, like, maybe 20-something percent. And if you could take a chunk of that, you know, you're, you know, say half of that, you know, people who want to have a digital watch and maybe want to add a few more features to it, you're talking hundreds of millions of smartwatches. So, yeah. so potentially there's a market there. Um, but the, you know, the real issue I think is that does it solve the problem? You know, a lot of technology exists. Does it solve a problem? You know, uh, to me, there's this whole idea that it's going to save you time because you can just glance at your wrist and get information you need. That only saves you so much time, right? Like if it's a text message and you can't, you know, with an Apple Watch, there's no keyboard, so you can't respond to it unless you want to talk to your watch. I still think there are social conventions that stop you from <laughs> stopping in the middle of the street and yelling at your watch to tell it to text back your <laughs> wife or your cousin or your brother. So, you know, I, that's for me, I think input's a big issue when it comes to interactivity, and I think that hasn't been cracked. Uh, you brought up a great point there about the whole social aspect. Uh, my business partner and one of the co-hosts on our television show, AJ, uh, he got one of the smartwatches. I think it was the LG one, Andy? Yes, the G-Watch. Yep. And uh, it's driving me mental. He is uh, always talking with me, and then all of a sudden, you know, his his watch will buzz, and our conversation's over. <laughs> like, he's yeah. just looking down at that watch. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had this phrase, right, like in the sort of pre-smartphone sort of pre era, clock watcher, somebody who's constantly checking their wristwatch, who is distracting men, and that was just for the time. Now you can be constantly checking your watch for notifications, for weather, for emails, for... Or you know pictures, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Uh, to me, I, I've I've taken car trips with people who have a smart band, and the constant sort of checking really was distracting. <laughs> I yeah. Just throw them out of the car. So. <laughs> what about uh, tablets? Was there anything new in that in that world? Nah, I mean, it, it, tablets are a tough one. You know, we've had reports this week that Apple. Um, is going to delay sort of a larger pro-style tablet, which to me is amazing that they were even going to make one. There's reports that they were going to put USB ports in it, which essentially is saying that Microsoft Surface was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And pretty much everybody in the tech press thought it was crazy. You know, like you should not make a giant laptop like this that has a keyboard that comes off. It's too heavy. It's got too much stuff. It's not, it's not for work. It's not for consumption. What is this thing? But if Apple, who, you know, sells the most, you know, the most popular brand of tablets is going to make a version that looks more like a smart surface, then maybe there is a sort of like enterprise place for tablets in the future. I don't know. I mean, to me, they're consumption devices, and they're not really good for work. But, again, if they crack that, then that's a, another big market to uh, continue to eat up. Yeah, I guess my question, do they crack that, or do they start cannibalizing sales from their, their, their laptop side? 
Well, for Apple, I don't think they, they're concerned about that. I mean, they're the only laptop maker who's growing, essentially. I yeah. think Lenovo is okay. Um, you know, so it's interesting. I, I had it put to me by some analysts, and I think they're probably right, that really what tablets did was they destroyed netbooks. The mm-hmm. netbooks, you know, the cheap $500 laptops, those got eaten up by tablets. You know, if you were just using a netbook for, you know, Internet and for word processing, then you could do a lot of that on a tablet. And, you know, it was a lot more convenient for, for consuming a lot of this new streaming video we're, we're, we're pulling in. So that those went away, but that was just a chunk of the laptop market. The next big chunk is those people who are going to take that machine home from work, and they're going to continue to work on it. And maybe they would like a lighter package. Maybe they want something that they can take the keyboard off and take it to bed after they're done with spreadsheets. I don't know. Yeah, no, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, will uh, will they eventually release like that larger 12.9 inch screen because they feel that it can kind of jumpstart tablet sales again, like they did with the iPhone uh, 6 Plus? Yeah, it's a it's an excellent question. I, I think that they stalled out um, because they had essentially reached market maturity, right? Like there was enough of them out there, and everybody kind of had one, and most households didn't feel like they needed two. Um, you know, I mean, sales are still going to keep growing because there's so many in the marketplace that just even replacement level, like an iPad 2 at this point is pretty sad, and people are going to are, are replacing them. But yeah, I don't know. No, I, I, to me. The smaller devices, the less intrusive devices are the future, and the, those screen devices, I don't think they're ever going to grow the way they did when they were introduced. Well, Shane, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, this is Shane Dingman. He's a technology editor for the Globe and Mail. Uh, where can people find out uh, more of your stuff? Well, we got at Globe Technology on Twitter, and, of course, visit theglobeandmail.com. You can always read technology coverage, and it doesn't usually count toward the paywall, so you should be safe there. <laughs> Well, we, we love that site because that's where we get a lot of our stories. Excellent. You do all the hard work for us. Yeah, we just talk <laughs> about your stories. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks well, again, Shane. Thanks, guys. That was uh, Shane Dingman. We're going to open up the phone lines now. General open line here on Get Connected, taking your tech calls and questions, kind of like your on-air tech support, or if you need some buying advice, we can help you with that as well. well. 604-280-9898. If you're phoning long, long distance, one eight seven seven. 399-9898. When we come back from the break, your calls, and later in the hour, App of the Week with Christina. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here. We've opened up the phone lines, taking your tech calls and uh, questions. We're going to jump first over to Ian. Ian, you're on the line? Hey, Ian. Talking about the uh, uh, watches, no matter what brand you're going to buy, is that going to be another tool for distracted drivers? to uh, use when they're driving? Uh, I would say yes. <laughs> you know, anything that, uh, you know, you're checking, you know, as far as uh, emails or text messages or notifications, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be a good thing. Um, some might argue that it's better than a smartphone because it's on your wrist and your hands are on the steering wheel, but uh, I, I still think uh, it, it can't be a good thing. Your thoughts, Andy? Well, it's just that. Distracted driving is just being distracted, whether it's on your smartphone or your smartwatch. Um, it's something that I know that they're going to have to run some new laws in place to do that with watches as well, because currently I think it only applies to mobile devices like phones. Um, but it's a great point because the way that these smartwatches work is all the notifications that come onto your phone will just get pushed over to your watch. So instead of looking at the phone screen, you're looking at the screen on your wrist. And um, that that is going to be distracting no matter what. So that is a great point. Um there's going to have to be legislation to uh, to curb that. 
Well, I think that, yeah, I think there's already legislation with distracted driving. To your point, Andy. So um, it just needs to apply to watches as well, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think we'll see a whole new wave of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We're going to jump to another call here. We've got uh, John. John, are you there on the line? Yep. Hi. Here. Yeah, on uh, your advice a few months ago, I got an iPad. Yeah. And uh, there was some good deals when they brought in the Air too, and they were liquidating the Airs. Yeah. So I got a really good deal, and but what I'm wondering is there a printer copier that would go with that Wi-Fi uh, Bluetooth system? Yeah, you know what I would recommend, uh, and I've, I'm using one myself, uh, an Epson um, all-in-one printer. They've got a whole bunch of different ones. Uh, you know, go down to one of the local London drugs. They've uh, uh, got a good selection down there, but. Uh, I, I love it um, with the, the Epson uh, all-in-one printers. They've got a number of different models, all different price points. Um, you can download a, a special app for your iPad and iPhone, for that matter, and, uh, and connect directly to it. So if you've got a document uh, on your iPad, you can send it right to the printer. Uh, you can also send uh, you know, photos and what have you directly to it as well. They've even got remote printing capabilities. So you can be out and about, you know, out in a coffee shop somewhere, and you want to send a, a document to your printer uh, to print so that you have it when you get home. You can do that, too. Your thoughts, Andy? Yeah, so that app that you're talking about from Epson is called Epson Connect. It's a fantastic app. It works with the printer and basically allows, whether you're on your your smartphone or your tablet, to print directly from it. The best part is that it works. It actually works seamlessly, so you're not going to have a problem printing using mobile devices like phones and tablets. No, I, I love it. My family, uh, most of us have uh, iPads or iPhones, uh, so you know everyone's got that downloaded, and it's just made printing like, a million times uh, easier. Remember in the old days, Andy, when you had to load a printer driver on a computer? It was like a half an hour install. Well, that was the problem, is that the printer drivers were just always troublesome, and they would never work, and sometimes you would have issues if you if you plug the printer into the computer before you installed the drivers, then everything would get wonky, but with this Epson Connect app, everything works seamlessly. It's It's been a, a breath of fresh air, especially in the printing world. Yeah, you, you know what? You'll, uh, you'll really enjoy it with... Um, with your iPad. And, you know, if you've got the all-in-one, it's got the scanner capability there as well. So you can actually scan uh, photos and documents right over to your iPad as well. Which Absolutely. It's yeah. super cool. Going to take one more call here. We've uh, got Len. Len, you're on the line. Uh, good morning. How are good you morning. this morning? Good, thank you. I'm a Windows phone user, and, and so is my wife. And I was just wondering why that's uh, never mentioned on your show or barely mentioned uh realize it's not a small part of the North American market, but there's a major Asian market right now where Windows phones are actually outselling iPhones. Personally, I don't use, uh, uh, I don't have any uh, cause to use an $800 phone. Uh, my 520 costs me eighty two ninety five. dollars uh, I'm a pay-as-you-go user. Yeah. I've got built-in offline GPS because I don't have a data plan. Uh, it works wonderfully. It actually works better than my Garmin. There's so many features on it, and, and uh, we're so excited about it. We bought a second one. My wife's got the 635 now. $109. You own it. Yeah, Here I can't, you can't beat that. Quad-core processor. The thing is fast, and yeah. uh, it fills all our needs. Built, built-in apps. We haven't paid for an app in four years. 
Yeah, no, uh, you know, and we're guilty of that on this show here. I mean, we're always talking about, uh, you know, the whole Apple world and, and Samsung with their Android uh, side. You know, I, I guess the challenge for Microsoft uh, is just really, you know, ramping up that, that marketing of their phones. They make fantastic phones. You know, they uh, basically have the Nokia brand now. They've kind of merged that into the Microsoft brand. Uh, the phones are amazing, and it's fantastic how they tie into the whole uh, Microsoft and Microsoft Office, uh, you know, side of the world uh, as, as well. And, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the user interface, I, I think it's probably one of the uh, most intuitive ones uh, out there on the in the market right now. So, uh, you know, thanks for the call. We should be talking a little bit more about the Windows Phone. You know, the challenge though is just that they haven't really hit that market share. Uh, you know, in a big way compared to like the Android phones and the uh, uh, the Apple phones. Andy, currently they have less than three percent market share globally in the smartphone world, and that's probably one of the reasons why we don't really talk about it very much because not many people have it. But you're starting to see more and more of it. Mike, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Season three of House of Cards, they actually are using Windows phones yeah. in, in there. So you, you see this kind of product placement to kind of make it like um, it's, a, it's a cool kind of thing to do. And they are fantastic phones. They have one of the best user interfaces out there. It's just sad that there's not many uh, Windows users um, currently using their mobile devices. Well, they're not going away anytime soon, and you know, never count Microsoft down. Those guys are uh, a you know a giant. So uh, you know, I think over the next few years, they're going to continue to innovate. So I you know, I, I would uh, say you know, stay tuned and, and keep your eyes uh, on them. But definitely a great phone, and the pricing. He's right. Len is totally right. I mean, picking up uh, you know a beautiful smartphone with you know a quad core processor, you know, under under 150 bucks, that's a, a heck of a steal. When we come back from the break. It's that time, App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've got a little bit of time left, and of course, it's that time of the week, App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. Thanks for coming on down. What do you got this week? I have an app for Android and iOS called Drink but it's the funny spelling D-R-Y-N-C because, you know, we have to jazz everything up by spelling it incorrectly. Is it for drinking? It is for drinking. Okay, tell me more. Uh, So this app is for people like me who love to get into the wine. So you know how you're, you're sort of walking through the liquor store and thinking, holy crow, there are a lot of wines in here and how do I choose one? Well, this app lets you scan the label and it will actually give you tasting notes and information about the wine and where it comes from and all that good stuff. So I could actually look smart when I'm going through the liquor store now. I can just scan it in and pretend that I know everything about this wine. Yes, even though the only thing you drink is Coors Light, you will look like a wine rock star. Could I scan a Coors Light can? No, it's just for wine. And so does it do all wines? Yes, it does. Um, It has a database behind it of 1.7 million wines. So you know what? I'm going to say you're going to be hard-pressed to find one that's not in that database. I I find that crazy. Like who who sat there and inputted 1.7 million different types of wine to the database? Well, there is a group of sommeliers behind this app, which is amazing because they also contribute and write blog posts and things like that, which you can access all within the app if you're trying to get a little bit more versed in the wine drinking. And do I have to pay for this app? No, it's completely free. Why? So what's the angle? So the angle is, and unfortunately it doesn't work for us here, they actually allow you to order 
bottles of wine through the app. But as far as I can tell, that only works in the U.S. So unfortunately, you won't be able to use that feature here. But it is still a really handy app for, you know, tracking the wines that you're drinking and looking up new ones and seeing what the community has to say about each wine. Will it give you other things like, you know, uh, suggested, you know, types of food and stuff that you could eat with it? Uh, Not so much on the food. There are some blog posts that go into that a little bit more, but it does suggest other types of wine based on the ones you've selected and liked. Well, that's kind of cool. So if there was a wine that you did like and you went down to the liquor store and it wasn't there, you could get recommendations for other ones? Yeah, exactly. And no, no Coors Light? No Coors Light, Mike. It's just for wine. That's a dumb app. Maybe you can have the beer app next week. I'll work on it. Christina Stoyanova with App of the Week. I think I'm right on that, Andy. Beer apps would be good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of beer apps out there, but I don't think we really need them, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we we know already, we already know what we like. Yeah, I guess it would just be the Coors Light app for me. Yeah, I'm sure they have an app. You know, they're a big company. You should uh, check it out on your smartphone there. Yeah, I don't care enough to. The uh, prize another time, Andy. This week, we're giving away the FC30 Bluetooth Game Controller. It sports a classic D-pad and button layout that's very reminiscent of the retro 8-bit game consoles from the 80s and 90s. In fact, it looks just like the uh, original Nintendo controller. Uh, The FC30 works with your iPad and iPhone to play games, and the game controller has real tactile inputs. It also works with Android devices and Windows devices as well. All you have to do to enter is go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. You just got to check it out. It looks so cool. It's something that uh, anyone from the 80s and 90s that played video games would want. Very cool. I uh, want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, Andy Barrar, my co-host and producer, Christina Stoyanova, for coming in and uh, giving us App of the Week. All the rest of the Get Connected team and uh, TV show team, and of course, uh, our control guys in Vancouver, James and uh, Chad and uh, Sean in Toronto. That's all the time we have left. Forget Connected, Mike and Andy, logging off. See you again next time.